You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by Emprise Bank. Coming up, the latest episode of Booth Review. Welcome into Booth Review. What's up? I'm Ken Swanson. This is my guy, Brandon McAnderson. BMAC, what's up, buddy? What's happening, man? I'm glad to be here. Dude, I'm I'm uh, I know there's a lot of things that are, you know, reason to be disappointed and bummed, but I still am excited to be talking some Hawks football today with you specifically. Uh BMAC, you know, I, you were there. I know you were there in Stillwater. Um tough, tough loss. I want to say before we get into the game, how good does it feel? to have the angst and emotions of watching a college football team that you care about, you know, at, you know, watching this team expecting to win on the road in Stillwater. I know it's a, it's difficult, but at the same time, it's, it, it does speak to the expectations that have changed around this program the last few years to know that this one hurts differently than probably a lot of games in recent memory for this program. Absolutely. You know, it kind of feels like, you know, missing opportunities, um, it doesn't actually feel that much different than the Texas game in that, you know, late into the third quarter, you know, it's 20 to 14 and KU is not playing well. So they're on the road playing the number three team in the country and they're not playing well. This week, they're up eight points at Oklahoma State, having boxed three extra points, um, having basically no run game to speak of, uh, really not playing well on defense from a tackling perspective, and they still have the lead. So I think it's about a team that uh, is on the brink of something special, but is learning about how to finish on the road. And I think it speaks volumes about the progress of the program that they can be in these games and have opportunities that they we would say they should have won. And they didn't play that well. And then there was, I mean, other than being, being in Fuego, the team overall didn't play that well. And I, I know that at halftime, that's what Coach Lightfold said, is that we're lucky to be up. And it was true. I was a team that that you see that that's a complete team in many ways. Well, they were up with six and a half minutes left in the game. You know, I mean, and maybe even a little bit, le- maybe even a little bit less than that. I get it. Like they were, they were up for you know a, a large chunk of that game, and obviously, it, it was a disappointing, it was a disappointing loss, and I, it, it kind of feels good to to be you know to be in a place where we're we're you know licking wounds a little bit because it feels different than you know expecting it right uh that doesn't mean it doesn't hurt it doesn't mean there's not a lot we need to talk about in this game either though because like i think there's a lot of little things within this with this game that are worth kind of addressing and just some of the little things that have kept this team from going on the road and doing something it is hard i mean two things still it still is a tough place to, to win as kansas state learned a week prior as can as kansas learned this week Oklahoma State's playing some better football too. They got hot early. And uh Bowman was playing better football than I have seen him play all season, possibly in the in his entire career early. Um obviously I and I we were talking a little bit about this, and this is kind of the there's something defensively I want to talk about. Cause like in general, I am a I am a Brian Borland fan. I have I have defended him a lot of different times. I've supported him a lot of different times. I think this defense structurally and the way that this team likes to play, I think they are susceptible to fast starts by opposing teams. 
because we talk a lot about a, you know a lot about some of the soft coverage choices that this team will make and i do think there's a lot of info gathering that brian Boylan likes to do early in the game and i do think he likes to do that from you know some softer shells from some off coverages and it just felt like kansas was giving up a lot of easy completions earlier in the game the rpo game was working a little bit um it just felt like you know kansas was giving up some easy plays early on and i think you know Bowman was absolutely dealing for Oklahoma State and and throwing the ball better than we've seen him throw. I genuinely, I think Alan Bowman played one of the early on. He was just, he was great, candidly. But Kansas still made it a little easy on him. And I think that's one thing is like they, Kansas kind of let that that fast start unravel on them a little bit. And, and I, you know, you would have liked to see them be a little bit more aggressive early, even though they're still in that kind of fact finding. Uh, mode early in the game. And I think that's something that they, that's happened to them in the past too. Absolutely. And I, to Oklahoma State's credit, I thought that they noticed one thing on film specifically was how much the linebacking core struggled to get into drops against Texas in that RPO structure. So I wasn't surprised to see them run a screen early on. And it wasn't just the screen. I, they ended up hitting him uh, over the, hitting the running back Oliver over the middle several times, or excuse me, uh, Ollie Gordon several times because the linebackers were getting so deep in their drops that there was a ton of room inside. And that's a product of Texas was able to feast on Kansas on those digs, those 12 and 15 yard digs and slants. And the linebackers weren't involved because of how well Texas was running the ball to Kansas credit until that 43 yard run late in the first half. Uh, they did okay against the run. There wasn't a, there wasn't as if they were chomping up yardage. Uh, most of Ollie Gordon's yards were in, uh, in the receiving game. But I thought they took advantage of that one thing. I thought Alan Bowman was inconsistent most of the season. And he was inconsistent. He was erratic accurate-wise in that game. Now, he, he had some – he probably threw three balls that should have been intercepted. Um, he was he is not good when the initial read is not there. He was not good after the play broke down. And he did not complete a pass probably over 15 yards in the air. So I think what you mean by that shell coverage, it really allowed him to get comfortable in a way that he hasn't been able to. And then once that got going – Oklahoma State's offensive line played really well, and that's the that's a benefit of playing with pace is that you can neutralize the defensive line. And if you watch Kansas football play, the defensive line is the meat and potatoes of what they do. So when you're running that type of pace, you do limit pass rush. When you're getting the ball out quick, you limit pass rush. When you're running screens, you limit pass rush. So all they were doing was controlling pass rush, taking advantage of spaces they were given, and Kansas missed tackles. And like you said, they are susceptible to, to fast starts. Here's a stat for you. Between this year and last year, Kansas has trailed by 10-plus points in the first quarter of every road game except Nevada and Oklahoma last year. Oklahoma, remember, they were tied at 14 last year. Uh, this year, they were up on Nevada. Every game, every road game, they have been down 10-plus points this year and last year. So it's something that they have to work on, and I think it centers not just around stylistic play. It centers around tackling. They just struggled to tackle on the road in a different way than they do at home. Yeah, no, no doubt about that. And they continue to see some some tackles and, and the explosive plays. Like that was something that was you know successful for Oklahoma State. They were able to generate some explosive plays early in the game too. And like that is you know Kansas has been so good when their defense is playing their best. It's forcing long sustained drives and uh, you know forcing teams into third downs. And that's been that's been a calling card. And like you said. I think Bowman became a lot more inconsistent late in the late in the game when it became less about you know like they Oklahoma State started fast they went a little bit of tempo early and again I, I think part of this, some of the tempo stuff is Kansas likes to simplify it seems like 
you know, when they when they play against tempo too. You know, uh, that that's kind of just feels like another one of their calling cards when they're having to deal with some of this tempo. But yeah, they, they tackling was a big piece of it. You know, like you said, like Bowen wasn't chucking it down the field, but he was just, you know, hitting guys in the stride on some, you know, slants. He was hitting the screen game. And yeah, like some of those explosives really came back to bite Kansas late, put him behind the eight ball. And then you saw, you know, a good chunk of game where Kansas finally settled in. And it took them 14 points and a couple possessions on defense to settle in. But I thought, you know, Alan Bowman came back down to earth. Credit Kansas a little bit for that, for sure. And, you know, this defense started kind of getting into what they typically try to do, right? And, you know, they forced some field goals. Uh, You know, they forced, you know, some punts. They got off the field with more consistency. Um, but it 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 was just too slow of a start on defense, uh, and too hot of a hot of a go of it with Oklahoma State offensively. Yeah, and I think Ollie Gordon is a unique back in that he's lengthy and strong, good straight line runner, uh, better open field runner than you kind of would imagine on film. Um, and one of the things too is Austin Booker was dealing with some stuff with his knee, and he didn't look he he only looked different in one way. He did not have a quick get off on the snap. I thought everything else in terms of changing direction, finishing people with power, everything else was about close to what we're used to seeing. His get off on the snap was not close. So I think that was the one thing that the injury affected, but he had an impact on the game. He played well. Yeah, and, and Jeremy Robinson too. Like he's he's dealing with some stuff. He's playing through some stuff. I don't believe we saw Hayden Hatcher in this game. Like no. and we talked about this group getting tested, you know, with the defensive line. We felt good about it. Um, and hopefully Booker will be back at full strength when they play at Oklahoma next week. And hopefully, you know, this just this bye week gives some guys a chance to kind of get some rest. Uh, we'll get into some more on the offensive side of the ball against Oklahoma State. Obviously, I uh, want to talk a little bit about home field apparel. We are excited to be partnering with them at KC Sports Network. Make sure you check out their incredible selection of Kansas gear. Promo code NOSEATS23 will get you, uh, I believe, 15% off your order. When you go to home field apparel, all kinds of crazy, awesome Kansas apparel, both uh, KU football, KU basketball. They got you covered for the entirety of the KU sports season. We're going to take a break. We'll be back right after this. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. BMAG was really fun after that 14-0. I mean, KU got hot for, you know, offensively, kind of after that. They get down for it. They punt their first possession. Oklahoma State gets up 14 nothing, and then KU's offense gets a little bit of hot, and they get explosive. And I, that was just what was like they they were they were airing it out. Like I kind of talked about on this game, like you know I kind of want to see them continue to play, you know, to, to run the football and try to run the football effectively. But now they just challenged that secondary and they made some big plays down the field. I think you talked about Quentin Skinner, if I remember correctly, yeah, uh, in the pregame show. But watching or in uh, in our, our 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 episode last week, but just yeah, watching this team just kind of show how. Multiple actually means being able to do multiple things here at Kansas where some offenses are multiple. This offense is showing you why, you know, that how they actually are multiple and able to attack in different ways. And Jason Bean played out of his mind, especially early in that game. Yeah, he was amazing. And, you know, what What I liked about Q, and I did say that in my pregame show, the Crimson and Blue show, we are on an hour and a half before game time on the Jayhawk radio app or the Jayhawk Athletics app. Check us out, man, if you want some pregame uh, coverage as well. But what I liked about Q for this game is that Bean, we knew, we talked about it before, a Bean game plan is going to have X amount of defaults because it's it's honestly like, it's like you're taking, you're giving, you're playing to his greatest strength and simultaneously playing to their greatest weaknesses. I thought that their uh, safeties did not match up well with our receivers and tight ends, and that was a problem the entire game. Um, and they took advantage of it. They were able to to get protection, which they didn't have an issue protecting all day. And what I'll say about Oklahoma State on defense is Colin Oliver is the best individual player we played this year. Mm. He was wrecking that game. If you look at some of the things we were trying to do counter with the tackle pool, which has been a big part of our game, he was lighting up that attack. He was lighting up the lead blocker in a way that really no one else has, and it was compressing those holes. And if you look at Oklahoma State, they played a three-man front similar to uh, BYU, except the guys they had playing in those spots were 290 pounds, and, and their nose was 346 pounds. So what you were seeing is Kansas was not getting the type of movement that we've been seeing previously, and it's mostly because we've been an off-tackle team. 
I think it took, like you mentioned, the pat. One of the reasons the running game struggled is because it was very, it was convenient for Kansas to pass, but they couldn't find a play calling rhythm. I would say they maybe only have one period of running the football play calling rhythm where I think I saw at 11 yarder, or 12 yarder, or a six yarder, or a seven yarder, and then they hit, uh, they hit Keith Skinner on the, t- on his first touchdown that was basically the only running rhythm that they got. And they got away from off tackle in that period of time. And they really just weren't able to get back to it just from the way the game flowed. So I think that Oklahoma State presented some challenges, and Colin Oliver is a dude. Uh, from the from the pass rush, he got the sack that pinned him back on second and long. I thought that was a huge play. Um, it really took us out of a rhythm, a chance to increase a 24, or excuse me, a five-point lead. So he had a big impact on the game. So I do want to make sure that we mention no, for sure. Uh, and, I, you know, KU's run game definitely did struggle more than I thought it was going to, honestly. And, like, they tried to – Hey, you know what? You got some big dudes, you know, playing a three down. They tried to get a little bit on the edge a little bit. The option game didn't seem to be the same thing it was. I think it's funny. Devin Neal still averages 5.1 yards per carry. But, you know, but yeah, I think they struggled with some of their, yeah, some of their edge game was just not, was not working. They tried option a little bit more than, you know, they, they stuck with it a little bit longer than I thought they would too. Honestly, some of the option stuff. Uh, I, here's something that I think that's kind of interesting about the offense though, BMAC. I was, you know, I talked a little bit like, they were a little bit feast or famine, right? And, you know, they had some really big explosive plays and some big touchdowns. And I think you're right. They struggled to find a rhythm a little bit and consistency specifically in the second half. Still put, put some points on the board, but definitely I don't think, you know, we're sustaining drives and, and making some mistakes that you don't like this team to see. Do you know what the longest drive by number of plays was for Kansas this week? I would say the first drive of the second half was maybe seven. Their longest drive, they had one. They had one series for nine plays. So mm. everything else, I mean, every, everything, and that's not that abnormal. Well, it is actually kind of abnormal for Kansas. Yeah, you no, know, a lot of their identity over the first six games has been, you know, what we're going to get into a lot of third out, third and manageables, and we're going to execute those third manageables. Um, you know, they're gonna, you know, they're gonna. I mean, they're trying to get a third down. They're trying to get first downs. Don't get me wrong, but you know, this team has definitely been. You know, a little bit more ball control, a little bit more play volume. Uh, when I talk about like it being an execution game, like I feel like this team just wants to try to, you know, they're 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 willing and they're comfortable, you know, in some of these third down situations and trying to just out execute you down the field. And they do it a lot. Um, this game was definitely more, you know, big explosive plays, big shots down the field. And granted, I mean, hitting them, I'll take them all day, right? Um, but it was just, it was different it was different than what we've typically seen out of this team. You know, a lot of explosive touchdowns. I mean, five plays, two plays, three plays. I mean, and then some three and outs mixed in there. You know, I, I think there is something to be said. I think it's a really good point. There's something to be said about kind of the lack of rhythm that you saw, you know, in, in some areas for, for the offense. And, yeah, I mean. It's a it's rich people problems, right? On offense, rich people problems. You know, like it's. It takes you out of rhythm on offense, but you're bombing them down the field. You're going so to have not, right? You know, it's like it's it is a good problem to have, and I think it, it it end up taking away from some of their rhythm games, some of the things that they were were used to seeing them create. And I want to take the time to mention how impressive Jason Bean was. At one point, he was twenty at twenty five with five touchdowns, so he had as many incompletions as he had touchdowns, and that was still late in the third quarter. And I think that the play that impressed me the most there's many. You know, rolling left and hitting Skinner over the shoulder 
going to his left and just lofting that ball perfectly to Skinner. My favorite was there was a play they called quick game to the right. It was a China concept, a hitch and a flat with uh, with uh, Fairchild and Devin Neal. He came off of it, didn't rush at all, took a couple back steps, got all the way back to the backside slant to Lawrence Arnold. I think it was like a 15-yard game. Uh, it, it was just a crazy sequence for someone that when he got here, every time he felt pressure, he ran out of the pocket over the top. And then he would usually just be racing toward the sidelines and he'd throw the ball away. And then last year, you saw him be a little bit more consistent in terms of, you know, fighting people, getting the ball down the field, definitely hitting deep balls. But that first touchdown to Trevor Wilson, he climbed the pocket and did not for one second think about running. He slid to the right and hit Trevor Wilson on that deep post. But this guy as a player, as an individual player, his peak is as high as anybody in college football. And that's crazy to say for a backup. It's also crazy to see a guy that's in his sixth year improve incrementally every week. You know, he's a guy that improves every week. And I don't know about you, but I never had Jason Bean type athleticism. If I did, I'd be escaped in the pocket very often. He doesn't. He sits in there. He reads it. He delivers. And when he doesn't have pressure, he is as good as when you can keep him clean and keep the guys off of him. He's as literally as good as anybody in the country. I, I watched that second sequence where the offense started to lose rhythm. That first interception to Trevor Wilson was was a product of the win. I don't know how else to say that. There was a huge wind gust. He was aiming for that back pylon, and that wind blew it to the front pylon, and they were able to get it. Look at the replay also. There was some questionable contact at the top of that at the top of that route sure. that I thought prevented Wilson from getting more separation. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a little questionable. But honestly, I was expecting to see a bean meltdown, and it wasn't that. It was almost exactly what like what uh, Colin Nicky talked about in the press conference about little things breaking down here and there, and all those leading to the collective. So getting beat on an inside rush, and now he has to get rid of the ball quickly. Not his strong suit. Mm-hmm. They ran a twist up. Same thing. Guy gets in there. He tries to force the ball in. Almost gets intercepted on the last drive. So those things were, to me, a product of these little things going wrong as opposed to one guy having a meltdown. I don't think that's what happened in that game. Yeah, I don't think I don't think I would have classified it as a Jason Bean meltdown. I don't know if I, I, I haven't if that's how, if some people are saying that. Yeah, I, I don't know if I can agree with that. Um, it, I do feel like it was little things here or there. And some of that is, you know, some of the lack, lack of execution in the run game, too, for sure, for me. Um, and I think part of Kansas offense is staying ahead of the sticks. And that was a slog to try to run the football as effectively as they have in past two. So, you know, putting putting some of the, you know, man, put him in some of those manageable situations. Um, yeah, it, but Jason Bean, I mean, like, yeah, he went crazy, man. I mean, yeah, incredible. he really did. I mean, four to 10 yards, five touchdowns, 12.1 yards per attempt. Um, obviously, you know, there was a, crazy stretch there that kind of put Kansas right back in this game big long explosive plays and um yeah it's he he had a he had a phenomenal game he had a phenomenal game and I don't know if it's always going to look like that specific kind of game script for Kansas like how many times do you think we're going to see that game script again over the next six games well it depends on how many road games we have I mean because that one that one felt so similar to all these other road games that sure seen. Yeah. You know, and that's, you know, it's been something that they've just, you know, the slow starts forces Kolonicki to throw the football more and it opens up the offense quicker than he would like to. I think that's kind of what 
if you look at the big passing days, I think they're almost all connected to an early deficit. And it makes him kind of adjust what he's doing and start to air it out a little bit. And that's where you start to see some some hits over the top. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I, it was just like, that's one, it sucks that it came in a loss, you know, yeah. it sucks that it came in a loss and a couple late turnovers and all that stuff. But yeah, I mean, offensively, you know, they did some good things. Some, some, some more sustained drives probably helped the second half a little bit better as I think, you know, something that might kind of, we might think about here. Um, but I mean, yeah, credit to credit to Jason being the number two quarterback at Kansas university. How many teams can say that? How many? T- how many? How many number two quarterbacks are going for ten and five touchdowns? That's all I'm you know. Say. And that's a you know. And he ended up going. I think that towards the end of the game, we were six of nine on third down with an average yards to gain of eight yards, mm-hmm. which in the past has not been Bean's thing. He yep. has not been great at converting those downs and distances. Mm-hmm. He was a layman on those downs and distances. The corner out to uh, Lawrence Arnold. Uh, on third and 11 early in the game, I thought was something he just hasn't really done. And he hit it perfect down the sideline early in the game. Him and Trevor Wilson, you know, with with Jalen Daniels, you know that uh, Luke Grimm is going to have an increase in productivity. And when it's Jason Bean, you know that Trevor Wilson is yep. there. Basically, the same two versions of a, the same position, but two different players. Mm. And you can see the preference per the quarterback, what they like about that guy versus the other guy. Yep, 100%. And they like, there's just something to be said about chemistry. And it's weird how that works, right? You know, Trevor Wilson, when he's typically not the high volume snap earner when it comes to, you know, Jalen Daniels, but, and like, it's, it's kind of how it works in, honestly, this is how it works when you are in a college program. You know, when you are a backup quarterback and you are, you know, you're doing seven reps with the seven reps with the ones, three with the twos, those twos develop some chemistry together. And there's always going to be a guy that the backup quarterback's not throwing to as much that he's going to have some kind of chemistry with. That happens all like that's that is a that's that's pretty normal with with college kids. Um, and so yeah, they and it, it's like that's a that's a good uh, that's a good problem to have with the Trevor Wilson kind of being in the mix, right? Like, I mean, he's he's showing out for sure, but he's probably not getting as many reps with a Jalen Daniels as some of these other guys, the Quentin Skinners, the Lawrence Arnolds, the Luke Grimms. To your point. Uh, whenever, whenever both quarterbacks are healthy, uh, but then, but that's the point. There's, you know, when Jason Bean's in the mix, the guys with the chemistry, you know, are probably going to see some more opportunities. To your point, uh, I do want to come back to the defense a little bit. Uh, it did feel like the defense kind of settled in as the game went on a little bit. Um, anything, any positive takeaways that you kind of have from the defense? You know, kind of as the game went on. I know they they started slow, kind of settled, and you only gave up 25 points the rest of the game force some field goals, anything that you really liked, you know, kind of just being there in Stillwater. You know, what I really liked about the defense was um, what a luxury it is to have Kobe Bryant. You know, I, yeah. I think, I think, I think they targeted his side of the field twice the entire game. Um, I just really appreciated uh, his ability to, to really erase one side of the field and, and keep it off of his side almost all together. I thought J.B. Brown played really explosively. I thought he, you know, he probably would tell you his reads weren't as great as or as good or great as they could have been. But man, was he finishing plays and finishing dudes to the ground. I thought he played really physical. Um, you know, the way that they played the game, they kind of limited our pass rush things that we're used to seeing mm-hmm. uh, with, the, with the quick game. It kind of took them out. The guy that stuck out to me was O.J. Burroughs. He just hustled all day. Uh, one of the forced field goals was a breakaway run that he got him from behind. That he had no business. 
he ends up falling down number three. I think it was a backup running back. They they forced a field goal on that possession. Uh, I just like when he's out there. He's got great range. Uh, he has been a really short tackler. Um, and then Cornell Wheeler is a guy I just like watching. I like I liked when it was when Cornell and JB play together. There's like a nice chemistry of real explosiveness uh, between those two. So those were some things that I like. I like that they got off the mat and started responding. You know, they forced a three and out after that second touchdown. Uh, so they, it wasn't as if they were just dormant the whole game. They had a slow start. Um, they rebounded. And then, you know, there were some times where they didn't fit to something or they didn't quite execute a tackle. And that tends to happen more on the road. But it also speaks to something we've talked about here about the team deserving support. And if you look at this team, man, on the road, they're giving up 38 points a game. That's that's this year and last year. They're giving up 38 points a game. They're giving up 22 at home. Springer, turn the camera on, bro. Put this on Twitter. 38 points a game this year and last year between home and away. They give up 38 points a game on the road, 22 at home. That's with giving up 55 to Texas last year. That's included in that average. So what that tells you is they play better at home. Home field advantage is important to them. It limits communication. It allows them to get set. And that's why I think they'll have a chance against one of the best teams in the country. No, we may not get to that all today, but I think this this defense is not one you should give up on. I think you should stay with these guys. They're going to keep improving. They're going to keep building depth, and uh, they're going to keep responding. B Max wanting that on social is what I heard. Come B-Max, on, he wants. I, I, yeah, Mark, sixteen point difference, man. Come on, Mark That's that. Move, baby. Mark that Springer. Mark that one, please. Uh, okay. So we're you know we're 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 here at the buy. Right. And, you know, this is kind of like it's 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 a mile marker. You know, it's I like that the buy sits in the middle of the season. You know, I think we've talked about it on this show before. And it's a it's a it's a hallmark of a Lance Leipold team is that this team gets better as the season goes on. And it feels like they get better differently and they continue to develop some of these guys differently as the season wears on compared to some of these other programs. Not that everybody, not that teams just don't naturally get better as the season go on, goes on or anything like that. Because like that's there's a natural progression for everyone playing the game of football. But I do feel like the acceleration and development of this group will probably be similar to what we've seen in the past. This team, you saw what they did in Lance Leipold's first year. I, the the stark difference between what we saw them trying to block up a bunch of you know inferior kids on their on the defensive line of South Dakota versus them being able to you know hang with Texas beat Texas and hang with West Virginia and TCU you know at the end of the year was remarkable and you know I know the results didn't look the same the schedule got a little bit tougher in the second half of the season but you know I still think Kansas you know showed some growth and improvement within the program and, and kind of ran out of steam with some injuries and obviously Jalen Daniels but this depth is so it's so undeniable and watching some of these guys kind of step up and grow and develop and you, know, you talked about Cornell Wheeler I mean we talked about Austin Booker and it's just I think we're gonna see a big step from a lot of guys in the second half of the season starting with this bye week here absolutely you know a guy that we haven't talked about much this season because Craig has played so well you know Kalen Gergen I've got an opportunity to play more in that Oklahoma State game. He played well in that game. Uh, Quentin Lasseter got some more reps at corner. He had, he did some good things playing tight coverage and, you know, forced them into difficult situations. And then yet another uh, defensive tackle coming out of that room, Caleb Taylor, 
had a few good series where you got a knockdown, uh, got a tackle for loss, uh, got a pressure that ended up forcing the sack. And uh, so there's always somebody kind of, you know, separating themselves as a contributor. That's what I, I think that's what you mean by how unique Kansas is in their build is that they are able to build with players that, you know, you've heard about and that you had some expectation for, but nobody said at the beginning of the season, they thought Cornell Willow would be this important to the defense. Mm-hmm. Nobody thought that Jason Gilliam would be making contributions and start to push for more playing time. You know, so usually when you're building depth, you're thinking, I need to steal X amount of reps so this guy can get reps. They've been able to say, it's not about stealing, it's about earning the reps that are available. Mm-hmm. And they're producing players in a way that can can live up to that standard. And I think that's been the story of the defense for the first half of the season, along with uh, the combination of Booker and Jeremy Roberts. Yeah, I just, you know, I think the I think the bye came at a good time for this team. And obviously, I mean, we know how emotionally, how I think how emotional this lost Oklahoma State was for a lot of people, right? We get that. Um, and it would have been nice for this team to be six and one going into the bye and having a crack at Oklahoma as a six and one football team ranked and probably getting game day and all you know. Um, but man, I just I think this I, getting a chance for some guys to get healthy, getting a chance to just kind of hit the reset on some stuff. I think I think and I think I, we're not gonna get too far ahead of this Oklahoma game, but if I'm just looking at the outlook of the rest of the season. I just I think this this bye comes at a perfect time for this team. Obviously, I think they'd want you know to to get back in onto the field right after that Oklahoma State loss for sure. But I just think you're going to see a really strong response in the home stretch for this team. And you know who knows about the status of the quarterback situation? I don't think it matters. I think Jason Bean's proven that he's going to be able to help this group compete and and win some football games in the home stretch. But now, I'm just really excited to see what this group is capable of doing, at, you know, as the season closes out. Absolutely. And, you, I mean, from your history, uh, Jason B gave OU hell in his first opportunity to play against him. They almost were able to pull that game off uh, with Jason as a starter. So I don't think there's any concern about the quarterback position. What I will say, though, is that this team is is veteran late. You know, there are a lot of older players on this team. Um, and the way that they responded to the initial loss with that domination of Central Florida I think is a good indicator of what you're going to see. This team is not a team that has is allowing one loss to turn to two, uh, one loss to turn to one and a half losses. This team has has been able to put away poor performances and respond in a big way. And if you remember that Central Florida game, that was Kansas' best performance of the season by far on defense was stopping you know one of the top five, top ten offenses in the country. So I expect them to be able to do that again, and I'm excited to see how they do it. You know, because now it's just not as simple as, you know, well, they struggled and maybe this team isn't what we thought, but we've got to get out of these loops of thinking that every season is just like the last. The record is the same. But if you remember last year, when they got to five wins, you know, you, you end up losing your quarterback halfway through that game. You fight you lose your five and one. You get to five and two. But that felt like the train, it felt like we were on a train that uh, that we had got to the end of our destination. And then kind of like that all the way up into that Oklahoma State game. I feel like right now this team is just the beginning of climbing that mountain. And I think they kind of feel the same way too. So I'm excited to see how they respond. It it's a such a it's a much more balanced football team this year than it was last year. And like I think that speaks to the defense. This is just a, a markedly improved defensive group. And and it's it speaks to the pers- personnel and depth. 
And I think that's such a big asset when it comes to trying to close this game out. And I think the schedule for this, the schedule is going to be interesting too, because like, I think, you know, I think there's, there's a lot of winnable games here for Kansas, you know, the rest of the year, I think they're going to be in every single game. Um, some games that might've looked a little easier three weeks ago are not going to be easy, but I do think there's a lot of really winnable games on this schedule left for this team to go out and do some really special things. Um, Oklahoma is a huge test for them for sure. But I just, yeah, I really like, I really like what's going on in the outcome. I, 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 I like where this is headed for this team. Cause I do think, look, they didn't play their best football this last week against Oklahoma state, but they didn't look out of place at this team is done looking out of place. They didn't look, the moment's not too big for them. It's just a matter of executing and, and doing, doing the little things necessary. Uh, you know, here's, here's one thing, BMAC. I don't know if I'm not, I, I might ask you a name or two. But after this Oklahoma game, and really from here on this season out, freshmen get four games to, to, to hold on to a redshirt. So they can appear in four games without losing eligibility. There's five games left in the regular season. Do, we, do you think we see, you know, some younger guys maybe start to get, you know, kind of introduced here back into the mix a little bit after, after the bye week? Yeah, I know that these guys are very strategic about which games they want guys to appear. Uh, we've seen some rookies early on in the season do some, have some special teams roles. Uh, Quebec basically being the only guy that's actually been in the mix on a right. Uh, he was in a couple blocking screen life packages, and physically he's ready now. I think it's more about you know not wanting to use that year when they have so much depth at the position. Uh, but he's going to be a nice player moving forward. I'm excited to see some of these young players and see what they have. And that's something Mike Bolt mentioned about this this bye week is it's important that they get these guys ready. And uh, we hear you, Alex. I like your idea of Kansas pulling this off, man. But we, we ain't going to get all into that, but I hear you, man. Um, you know, a freshman, I think that from a from a developmental perspective, bye week's really important, you know, because guys get an opportunity to to get the first team reps, guys that you're looking for, guys like Sevion Morrison, who's clearly uh, redshirting. He's a guy that's going to be an older veteran player as the season progresses. He's going to be something big time. So he's going to get a lot of reps this week. So there's just going to be more. It's going to be more spread out. You're going to see what guys have in this coaching staff is going to have another opportunity to evaluate. And we know they're very good at evaluating. Yeah, no, this can be an evaluation period. I'll, I'll tell you a fun story. I don't know if you guys ever did this at Kansas, uh, but it, uh, when I was playing in college, there was a bye week practice where, like the freshman scout team offensive players would scrimmage as defensive players and vice versa. And it was a ability, it was an opportunity to cross, you know, kind of cross evaluate over a different side of the football. A couple guys actually wound up switching sides of the ball because of it. Um, I've, I don't think Kansas is doing that. I don't think that's like, a, I don't think that's a, a Kansas way to do it. I doubt it, but I will say this is such an important time. You know, like the evaluation piece of it is so crucial too, because you know, they can give, you know, they can give some of these young guys uh, an uptick in reps and let some of these young guys or some of these older guys, you know, heal up and then kind of see if there's anything, you know, that, you know, that they might want to integrate into the offense in the, in the back half of the season or, you know, anything that they're really looking for moving forward. You know, I, I know, um, you know, Johnny Thompson's got some buzz in the past early in the season, who knows, you know, what his outlook looks like late in the year, maybe just, you know, you know, a little, little, little spark there as a, you know, a change of pace type player. You talk about Seve Morrison. Um, you know, I know there's some love for some of the young secondary players 
you know, some of the young corners like a Jamil Croft, maybe you see him get involved a little bit. I know he's played in some in some capacity here early on in the year. But um yeah, I'm just kind of fascinated to see, you know, if if any of these young guys might start getting some looks. There's three home games left in the year. So you don't have to worry about the, you know, some of the travel restrictions. I don't know. Might be worth paying attention to. I'm I'm fascinated. Hey, why not? That's <laughs> see what some of these guys got, especially guys that we've been excited about and been hearing about. Um, you know, that that look like they're gonna be players in the future. Let's let's get them out there and see what they got. I will say about bye week, we used to have something called the Jayhawk Bowl, and that would be the scout team versus scout team matchup. But I the only real fond memory I have of it is uh, Anthony Collins really emerged as a tackle option. Hmm. Uh, he got moved at the beginning of his uh the beginning of his freshman year, he got moved from D in to D tackle to O tackle. Mm. And uh, he had a performance late in that initial season that he was pretty impressive, and we thought oh, this might be a guy. And yeah, uh, and behold, he was definitely a guy down the future that uh, ended up being Allen Trophy finalist. So it is an opportunity to learn about your players, especially in like a scrimmage situation, for sure. Uh, but Anthony Collins was still playing offense. I was over there. I was. I. I. Quarterbacks didn't get to play. I didn't get to. I didn't get to switch sides when I did a BMAC. They would let me. They, they made me. What would cheap. you have played? You'd have been. You'd have been wide out. You'd have been like D hop out there. I would have been a. Well, I would have been a. I would have been like a linebacker or a safety probably. Oh, okay. So you know, a pass rusher. Uh, Just coming off the edge. Yeah, you know? uh, that head, living you that know? edge life. Okay. Uh huh. Okay. A lot long arm with my barely thirty inch arm. You know. <laughs> Anyways, uh, you know, uh, any final thoughts on this bye week show, B Mac? You know. We'll get into the Oklahoma game. I'm really excited to see this team. Nothing's really changed for me. Obviously, like it's a it's a gut wrenching loss. That's one you feel like this team should have had last week. But like, I think they'll make it up. You know, I think they'll make it up somewhere. I don't know what that looks like exactly. Maybe it's this week against Oklahoma. But uh, I'm really excited to see this team get back on the field because it's still different. It's still different, guys. It's not the past. There's, this isn't your old Kansas Jayhawks. This isn't the team. This isn't last year's team. This is a better football team than last year. So enjoy it. Celebrate it. Believe it because the next five games are going to be a lot of fun. Anything else you got to be back? Man, winning on the road is tough. I just want to let you know, for my career, uh, we had T-shirts made called Road Dogs. They made a song that they played in the stadium from 2004 to 2007 that we thought was just one of our staff members rapping or something. But the beat was just... KU road dogs and it was just clapping and they would play it while we were practicing. We lost every road game until you know we won. We won one in 06. We won at Iowa State, uh, but we blew a game at Baylor. We blew a game at Texas Tech. We blew two games at Nebraska. You know, so it's something that happens. You know, and it's it's a growth part. It's a part of the growth period. And if you want to be a championship contender, you have to learn to win on the road team has done it better than we did you know they won against west virginia last year they won at houston last year so they're further along than we are i just we were i like the direction they're heading don't get discouraged by one loss put your faith in these guys put your face and faith in this time and uh, i promise you they'll get it done talks are undefeated at home this year better get out to the booth get your tickets down and get out to the booth come on if there's any left go support this team come on with this group of kids they deserve everything they're getting right now and they deserve more that's going to do it for this episode of Booth Review. For Brand McAnderson, I'm Ken Swanson. We'll catch you later. Peace. Thank you for listening to KC Sports Network. We appreciate your support. Don't forget to hit that follow button and leave us a review if you like what you heard.
You can find all six of our channels covering the Chiefs, Royals, Sporting KC, and the KC Current, plus KU, K-State, or Mizzou by searching KCSN wherever you listen to podcasts. We're also on YouTube. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network.